At LBC 973, this is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, nice to have your company, welcome along. It's dreadful, isn't it? I don't know what's gone wrong with the studio this morning because you can't turn anything up in here because it starts vibrating like you're on, sh- on a cruise liner. But that sounds all right. Does that sound OK? Are we sort of sounding roughly, reasonably, you know, reasonably compass-mentous? Don't touch anything, she said, because I turned these speakers up a minute ago and we got this, what they call, howl round. I haven't heard the word howl round for some years. And, of course, I know nothing about technical things. I can barely master tobacco tins and a piece of string. It's all, it's all got a bit strange. But anyway, I'm sure it'll be sorted out. It's nice to have company. Welcome along. It's Wednesday morning, and I don't care what the weather brings, because I like Wednesday. And in fact, I've liked every day this week so far, except yesterday. God, it was cold. It was freezing. I left here yesterday morning, because ha- I've got some interviews to record this week. I've got one uh, tomorrow for In Conversation and one on Friday. Free Conversation. Sorry, I just slipped my tea. Sorry, the, the excitement of having Howl round. And, um... And, and I left here and I thought, you know, I wish I'd put my hat on. But I didn't bring my hat in yesterday because I, I came out and got straight in the car and just and pootled in. Oh, new one. That's a nice one, isn't it? Uh, that's very Sherlock Holmes. That's very, oh, very nice. Very street boy. <laughs> very home boy or whatever they call it. It's nice. Is it? And you can untie the top bits, can you? And it covers your ears. Smash it. Deer stalker. Right. Oh, right. Oh, that's lovely. You look like Deputy Dog. You have to be of a certain age to remember, Deputy Dog. I like hats like that. I'm, I'm big into hats now because if you don't have much hair, which Duncan and I do not, um, then you, you have to put a hat on because it's cold out there. And when I stepped off the train at Twiggler, it was blooming cold. And I went, oh, dear, you could feel it through your bones. Very smart. Covers a multitude of sins, doesn't it? You don't, people, you know, you're wearing a hat. People don't know if you're having a bad hair day or a good hair day. Makes no difference at all. I used to have bad hair days when my hair was longer because being blonde... Yeah, I was. I was. Um, my hair was very fine. Blonde-haired people have got very fine hair, unless they're sort of bleach blonde, like most of the cast of The Only Way is Essex. And I was delighted to report, I'm sorry, I have to do it with a smile, that poor old Lauren Goodyear, the foul-mouthed old fishwife, only 30 people turned up to the book signing. Oh, dear Lauren. So, nobody interested. As indeed we predicted, the public are finally getting wise to the fact that all you lot are just trying to rip them off. Bring out your books and sort of tell us your dreary life stories. I'm afraid, uh, you know, I'm, you know I hope, it, hope it fails. Oh, and Cara Kilby has left The Only Way is Essex. And uh, about time too, she was totally a waste of space, also a drunk driver, convicted. So they've decided um, that she, she goes. So, whoosh, gone. Never to be heard of ever again, please God. Don't want people like that, do we? So, uh, so where was it? Oh, yes, so yes, you're very, very cold. And, uh, and I didn't feel very well yesterday. And so I fell asleep in front of the television, because it was so cold, I fell asleep in front of the television. I didn't put the heating on. I can understand how elderly people, you know, fall asleep in, in cold weather, because it makes you drowsy, and it made me drowsy. And then the phone rang, and it was somebody from work, and we were sort of chatting away, and I was explaining about the fact that the last... Uh, the last test with the doctor hadn't been particularly brilliant. You know, it was OK. We might have problems with, um, with sort of kidneys, but that's, a, that's unfortunately something from, from diabetes anyway. So we'll, we'll see what we, what we do with that one. And uh, <coughs> so then I thought, I'd better go out for a walk. So uh, I got the bus to Richmond. <laughs> Didn't do that much walking, but I walked round Richmond trying to find a pair of trainers. Because yesterday I found these Dunlop trainers, Green Flash. So I've ordered them from Amazon. But they come for another company. And, and then I thought, right, I, I like that. They, they look like they've got Velcro. And when you get to a certain age, ladies and gentlemen, we don't do laces. 
I don't want to do laces, have to be bending down, doing up laces again. I could do it years ago. I can't do it now. So I want Velcro. So I've ordered these things, and hopefully they should be here in a couple of days. My book about uh, the Beatles, A Cellar Full of Noise, Brian Epstein's semi-autobiographical work, has arrived as well. It's in paperback, so I'm a little bit fed up with that, because I paid serious money. It was 7 and 11 pence. Is it 7 and... Wait a minute, I'll tell you exactly how much it was. I'll tell you what I paid for it as well. Um, yeah, Bri- Brian Epstein, when this book came out... Look at it, little thin thing, hardly anything in it. £1.25. How much did I pay for it? £22.50. If you'd, if you'd had the presence of mind to save these things years and years ago, you'd be on to a winner. An absolute winner. I can't, it's, you know, if you only ever read one book about the Beatles, this would be the book. This would be Brian Epstein's book, A Cellar Full of Noise. It was a line, wasn't it, from a Petula Clark song. A cellar full of noise, got an atmosphere of its own. I know a place where the booming is fine. I think it's that one. Might have been another one. Anyway, apart from that, we've got the papers to look through. And uh, and all the all the poor reps, thousands of British ski reps, might have to come home. Might have to come home, and that, that's what the chalet girls do. We go out on the piste. And uh, apparently they've been told they're breaking the law by showing tourists around the resorts because they're not qualified to French standards. I don't know what a French standard is, ladies and gentlemen, but I suspect it's not too high, put it that way, and probably involves a bottle of Beaujolais Nouveau and probably some onions and garlic and stuff like that. That'd be French standard. Oh, this is the piste and the snow. And you come down... You can imagine what it's like, can't you? Poor old soul. So I think the French are really taking le piste on that one, which is the headline on Metro this morning. Uh, Then there's a picture of Chucky... Well, it's not Chucky, it's that, uh, that uh, Miss, Miss Man- Mantell woman the other day who's been roundly criticised by everybody. My God, she's ugly. And uh, she was doing her little thing, bang out of order, perhaps she'd had a drink. I don't know. But anyway, you look at a picture of her and you think, well, I mean, there's nothing we can do to save you, dear. You might have won a book a prize, but for 90% of this country, they really couldn't give a forex about you. We're much more interested in the Duchess of Cambridge and the fact she looks lovely. And the fact- I mean, she was criticised by that fashion design of having too many clothes. Vivian Westwood, wasn't it? Vivian Westwood was criticising her, going, oh, she's got too many... And you look at Vivian Westwood, who looks like the worst bag lady you've ever seen. Anybody who's so badly dressed, you wouldn't want anywhere near you. And I, and I have to laugh. They go, of course, it's Dame Vivian Westwood now. And you're like, For what? For designing that? You know, there's something stylish about the Duchess of Cambridge. In our mind, you know, we aren't the majority... You know, we are the majority in this country. That's why we like her. You know, if you ask people, you know, who do you think's better dressed, the Duchess of Cambridge or Vivian Westwood, the Duchess of Cambridge is going to win hands down. Even if you're blind, you're going to vote for her because she's got style. Vivian Westwood, I just thought, was a pretentious old poser who came up with a few crackpot ideas for the catwalk, which goes very well in certain quarters, don't get me wrong. I just don't understand that kind of... You look at people walking down the catwalk wearing these bizarre outfits and you think, well, I've never seen anybody wearing this out on the street. I've seen a few odd people in London, because it's London Fashion Week, and round this building you do get some pretty odd-looking clothes. OK, I don't want to name names or point fingers or direct you to certain websites, you know, to do with the company, but there are certain people around here who have got no idea how to dress. It's almost like they opened the wardrobe door and sort of did voodoo to try and get something out there that vaguely made them look interesting. It's You know, it's very difficult to try and... to try and get... The right thing. I mean, downstairs... Yes, I know. Sven's uniform was designed by the wanted. Sven, who does our our coffee shop... Well, he's had a couple of days off. Well, we call it rehab. And uh, so he he was in there, but his uniform was designed by the wanted. And it's it's basically 
Oh, the wanted stylus, that's right, yes. But it, it's basically a, a, a sweaty-type shirt and a pair of jeans. I didn't quite see that that was being designed, but... I'm, I like it when they do these makeover programmes on the telly. You know when they do a makeover programme, they go, right, we're going to take you now, and then we're going to open the doors, and people are going to go, oh, my God, you look amazing. All these years you've looked ugly. And you see that snog, marry, avoid programme, which is now hosted by somebody different. It was hosted, it was better before by Jenny Frost or something. I don't know who actually, was it Liz, Liz McLaren did it? And it was lovely. And they would get all these people who were show-offs, because I've seen various people on that programme, uh, on various other programmes, including uh, quite a number of sort of silly little gay boys appearing on there who sort of think, you know, it's just, they go on, te- they want to be on television. And so they go there and they always go to the same places, Liverpool, Cardiff and Manchester, because Cardiff, I mean, you can find the dregs of humanity in Cardiff. Manchester, again, depending on which area you go to and which show they're filming at the time, there will be people there who you could put on television. And they want to go on television. They want to be seen to be behaving badly. For some reason, and I don't know why, they, they, they go to these places and they find people. It's like in Essex. I've said to you countless times, nobody in Essex, a proper Essex person, has anything to do with the only way is Essex. The only people who have anything to do with the only way is Essex are the trolls who appear in the programme. The silly little over-made-up tarts. The drunk drivers. The foul-mouthed old bags who can't walk two paces. You know, how to trowel your makeup on and look like a drag queen. And that's Chloe Sims. You know, it's a shame, really, that nobody has said to them, listen, you need to learn to do your makeup properly. You need to make sure that you look, you know, classy. Unfortunately, they do not look classy. They can't help it. They just look like the proverbial old dog's dinners. And when we went out to this hotel on Saturday night in London, there was a whole load of them. So, you know, I, I just, I worry about it. I worry about it. Oh, 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 must tell you. Must tell you. Darren Brown. Do you remember I told you the story the other day of Darren Brown, who in his latest show is going to make a straight man into a gay guy? And I said, to be honest with you, you don't need to hypnotise somebody. Four pints generally is enough to turn a straight guy into a gay guy. And uh, Darren went on Twitter yesterday and has denied the fact that he's going to be doing this, because it would probably be too silly. Far too silly. I see that they've uh, tried to recreate the Les Miserables poster, and they've got uh, Arge. Do you know, this? he pitched up on the television the other day, poor old Arge. He is so boring. No personality whatsoever. Uh, Joey Essex and Sam Fahirs, Mario Falcone... It's all a bit tragic, really, because uh, Arge is just that silly fat bloke. With n- I mean, he was so dull on this programme, he contributed nothing. Lucy Mecklenburg, as you know, is like a, like a small child, I'm afraid. Mario Falcone is just not all there in the brain department. And as for silly little Joey the Girl Essex, with this camp hairstyle... Although it's obviously caught on, because I saw somebody else with it. That's where you leave it all on the top and then shave it all round the sides. Of course, it suits people, but not if you've got no personality. Sam for ears. That'll be that over... I mean, to be honest with you, I can't believe it's a woman. I can't, I've seen that advert on the television. I can't believe it's not butter. And I cannot believe she's a woman. I think she's a sex change. I think she's had one of those little operations. She's been over to Switzerland. Went to get herself a Toblerone. Got sort of sidelined into a clinic and came back looking like that. And so they've got her and poor little Josephine Essex, and they go out together and they sort of do a fake relationship, and Lucy Mecklenburg is... I don't know when they've ever used her for modelling. I, I mean, I, I can't remember the last time, poor soul. It's a tragic picture. Tragic. But it's it's Arge. You know, James Arge Argent. 
what is that, a five-year-old thing they do at school or something? Steve, Stevie Allen, you know, I mean, that's that kind of thing. You know, Cat, Catherine, you know, it's, it's, the same, it's the same kind of thing. James Arge Argent, you know, a man who is so boring. I really find it difficult to believe that he's made it through to adulthood. Although listening to him speak, he doesn't have anything to say for himself. Nothing. I mean, he is so dull. It's, it's really, I mean, remedial, ladies and gentlemen, remedial. LBC 97.3 T 97.3 And Nick Ferrari this morning. Nick Clegg is back in the hot seat for a special Wednesday edition of Call Clegg. So not tomorrow, but today. As the Deputy Prime Minister takes your calls and talks about giving up smoking, the Eastleigh by-election and claims... He's a hypocrite for considering sending his son to private school. Plus, as a new report reveals, 3.8 million people have been made redundant since the recession. Nick will be asking how worried should we be for our jobs. And as it's announced, IVF will now be available for the over 40s. Nick will be finding out, does age matter when you have kids? Looking at the papers today, Yasmin Alibi-Brown. British journalist and author, regular columnist for The Independent and The Evening Standard. It's interesting, isn't it, in the light of the fact that the other day... Uh, we were talking about the aid that we send to India every year. 250 million quid in the year 2011. This is a country that has a billion pound space programme and we're sending 250 million quid. The final insult, the final knife in the back is that India has bought the Red Arrows jets for 125 million. So in other words, we've given them 250 million and they've bought the Red Arrows. So consequently, it means that, you know, there'll be... Uh, Fitted with smoke canisters so the jets can draw the colours of the Indian flag in the sky. They'll be used by India's aerobatic team. This is this from a poor country, we're told. Though they're not, of course. But we give them 250 million. They've got billions. And they've now bought our red arrows. It's a standard joke, isn't it, really? It really is. Legendary football hard man. <laughs> Vinnie Jones. Legendary hard man. Did you see Vinnie's lame documentary? Where... He didn't actually do anything at all. They were going, oh, he must have a really exciting life. He was as boring as Sherwood Forest. He sat there in his chair. At one point, he said to the, the film crew, um, should I go down the ch- shops or something? Because they didn't have anything for him to do, and he didn't do anything in his life. He just sat slumped in front of the television. But he's, he's come into the papers today to say that he prays for Paul Gascoigne every day. He's, and, and the reason he's praying for him, and the reason they've asked Vinnie Jones, is because um, he's got a new... Sky Living US drama called Elementary. He said everybody's a million percent behind Paul Gascoigne. No, they're not. 90% of the country couldn't give a stuff about Paul Gascoigne, I'm afraid. But the footballer turned actor, have you seen Vinnie Jones's acting? Don't make me laugh, please. Is among celebrity friends who've chipped in to pay for his stay at a £7,500 a week clinic. It goes, have you noticed, every week it goes up. Every week it goes up. It was £6,000, then the whole thing's 100000 then it's this, and they're all jumping on the bandwagon. I give money. I give money to help Paul Gascoigne. I give money to save Paul Gascoigne from himself. Oh, by the way, can I mention the fact that I'm doing a new Sky Living programme, so I can plug that at the same time? Cynical, shameless publicity, ladies and gentlemen. Soccer's hard man, Vinnie Jones. <clears throat> Blow him away, dear. Like a powder puff. Like a powder puff. Here she is, Hilary Mantel's lecture. God, she's ugly. I mean, she really is the old internet troll herself, isn't she? I mean, Hillary, I don't want to be rude to you, love, but do you maybe think eating more at the salad bar could help you? You know, perhaps some exercise, perhaps get your teeth fixed, you know, perhaps better makeup, better hairstyle. And, and, and you know, as for wearing a tent, dear, try some women's clothes for a change. 
probably wouldn't like that, would she? That she'd be the sort of person, uh, having criticised the Duchess of Cambridge, who has laughed off Hilary Mantel. Well, of course you would. You've only got to look at the Duchess of Cambridge. Stunningly gorgeous, beautiful, attractive, lovely hair. And then you look at internet troll Hilary Mantel. A doll, she says, of the uh, Duchess of Cambridge, on which rags are hung, no personality. Well, listen, ugly woman, ugly fat woman. Don't criticise somebody who is loved by the country. Otherwise, you will get what you deserve. People will pick on you because you're, you're a troll. No, I, I don't mean you're an internet troll. What I mean is you look like a troll. You know, from the Hall of the Mountain King. I love the story on the front of one of the papers today. I didn't love it. I just felt a bit sorry, really. Uh, this is uh, Coronation Street's Michael Lavelle. Has, has had death threats since he was charged with crimes. Generally speaking, from people of limited intelligence. One tweeter hoped he would be axed in the skull. I'm mean, a rather stupid person, I'm afraid. We have a law in this country. It's innocent until proven otherwise. And so, until this case goes to court... I mean, who are these stupid people? As I say, they will turn out to have probably some sort of illness. Probably loneliness, I should imagine, most of the time. 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. Uh, Mark says, you've been on the Jelly Babies? Nope. I haven't had Jelly Babies ever, 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 ever. Uh, Ralph says, Mantel was not criticised by everyone. Yes, she was. I turned on the TV yesterday in time to see uh, young Petrie Hoskins defending her to Phil and Holly. Well, she's got to do that. She's got to play devil's advocate. It was like O'Brien on, on Titchmarsh's show was sort of doing stuff, playing to the audience, you know, trying to be controversial, you know, about it. But it's just to, it's just to provoke a reaction. They all say completely different in this building. Completely different. Uh, so, not a good turnout. Lauren Goodyear turning up to sign copies of her book. She was at WH Smith in Birmingham. Why? Well, to be honest with you, the book is of no interest to anybody outside of Brentwood. It's only of interest to people in Brentwood, and they're bored with them anyway. 30 people. Secrets of an Essex girl. The secret is you're too fat and you're foul-mouthed. At the end of story. You don't need to sort of print it in a book, love, for us. We know what you are. We've seen you on the programme. You're a sad, depressing example of womanhood in Brentwood. There's much nicer people there. I was in Brentwood only a couple of weeks ago. Much nicer people. We didn't see anybody like that lot down there, thank God, because I would have pointed and laughed. I'm, I'm quite good at doing that in the street. I saw somebody the other day. What were they, what were they wearing? Oh! It was, I, I went past Mark Suspensers. What are they selling? Onesies. Uh, uh, uh. And where have they put them? They've put them in the pyjama department, because that's what they are. If you wear them on the street... You're a chav, OK? It's, it's chavvy clothing. It's for people of limited intelligence, OK? You look like you're a contender for the Jeremy Kyle show if you wear a onesie in the street. It's like a giant baby grow. It's a little bit perverted, OK? It's worn by people who don't have any brain cells. God, dear, for Marks and Spencer to sell it, I'm afraid they've gone so far down. It's, it's just really... They, they, they'll be selling kebabs next. Incidentally, you can't eat anything like this, can you? Have you noticed that they've said in the papers yesterday, and it came up on the television, that now you've got to watch kebabs, processed um, uh, stock cubes, which have got beef in, which might have horse in as well. I mean, I'd, I mean, I'd, I'm, 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 there's nothing you can eat. I stood in it. What will Arge eat? <laughs> nothing. Himself, with a bit of luck. I felt sorry for the hamster, though, that was left in a house in a cage. And the owner went away on holiday and left the cat with no food. You know what I'm going to tell you, don't you? 
the cat got so hungry by day four that it decided, having seen the little hamster running around, and it looked pretty well fed, on its little wheel, that it would wreck the cage. And so the cat pulled the cage apart, because on hamster cages, you've only got to throw them around a bit, and they become detached, so you can get in and clean them. And uh, we used to have, and, it, and, and the hamster was then at the mercy of the cat. And the cat ate the hamster. Not nice. But if you're hungry, you know, any port in a storm, there you go. If you've got a hamster at home at the moment, look on it. Start thinking. Fricassee? I don't know. You know, small kebab there. If Colonel Sanders had discovered hamsters before chickens, the boxes would have been a lot smaller. You could have got four, four drumsticks in a matchbox. So here's, um, here's uh, Michael Lavelle. He's uh, had death threats. As, as you can imagine, there are people of limited intelligence who will do this kind of thing. Um, they're going to look pretty stupid, aren't they, depending on what the outcome of this case is. Uh, he was seen carrying a box of 12 bottles of Budweiser amongst his shopping. So what they've done is they've, they've effectively gone out there and they're stalking him, taking pictures. Whereas, in fact, you know, nothing has happened yet at all. The Sponger mum, here she is, the old Sponger. I don't know why, you know, I'm looking at the size of this house they're building for her. And uh, she's also got a horse. Heather Frost shells out paddock fees, food and vet bills for her grey mare Annie, and all at your expense. It's a frightening, isn't it? It's a frightening thought. I mean, I suppose you could argue the fact that she can spend the money on what she wants. She doesn't have to spend it on the kids. If she doesn't want to feed the kids, don't feed the kids. Let them go out and beg or go and get a bag of chips from the uh, local takeaway. Because she looks like that sort of person. I mean, it's, it's just a bit sad, isn't it? If you live next door to this piece of trash, you'd want to move as fast as possible, ladies and gentlemen. 84850, uk. Harry Styles. I don't know why. Everything Harry Styles does makes the papers. He goes out and he kisses some girl and immediately go, Harry's got a new girlfriend. And I'm thinking, it's a cover-up. And I'm thinking, I don't think he's interested in women. I think it's just all done. They just sort of keep, keep the interest going. I think his best friend is a DJ called Nick. You know, they have a bromance. Whatever that means nowadays. I mean, I'd, I don't want bromance. Who wants bromance, is the god say. They had that couple the other day. And I think they're, they're actually going to pitch up on the television where they're both heterosexual, but they they get on so well together. They they spend 98% of their time. I love the other day as well. The, they, the Beckhams pitched up in Paris and there was absolute chaos. Victoria wearing her trademark dark glasses. You know, I'm surprised she can see anything at all. I'm surprised she didn't fall over half the time. But they were protected by a ring of steel. They were surrounded by armed police. Pathetic, really, isn't it? It really is pathetic. A very ordinary working-class family. And we're now treating them as if they're sort of the nearest thing to the Pope. I can't bear it. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. Time now, 4.30. So the Beckhams pitch up in Paris, and one onlooker said it was as if the President of the United States had come to town. They all look very important, but many of us thought it was a bit of a joke. Well, it is a joke. It is a joke. He's an old, past his sell-by footballer who's donating the money to charity, and that's why he got all the publicity. But why should he care? You can offset it. You know, she, she's getting a bit of publicity for her fashions. But strange enough, she's over there while London Fashion Week's going on. So quite clearly, London Fashion Week doesn't regard Victoria Beckham uh, as being part of it at all. Bit of a joke, really. Bit of a joke. But uh, there we are. I'm sure that the French love them. They're grateful for anybody nowadays to go over there and, and stay there for any length of time. As I said last week on the programme, and the week before the programme, and the week before that, what's happening to all this food that they're chucking out? Findus are chucking out. And Rangeland, and Asda, and Tesco... There's a homeless charity called Mustard Tree. And uh, 
uh, there's a Manchester soup kitchen manager, and people say, it's all perfectly edible. I hope they're, they're not throwing this stuff away. I hope they're going to give it to homeless people who will fall over themselves to have spaghetti bolognese and to have beef lasagna and beef burger. They'll eat it. You've been eating it for years. Why should all of a sudden you not want to eat it? And the answer is because you don't want to be cheated. In other words, you thought you were buying beef and the supermarkets were ripping you off. You weren't buying beef at all. You were buying part horse. And that's the only issue I have. I don't have any other issue. I'm not bothered about the health status of it because it's quite clearly okay to eat. If it's mixed in small quantities, you'd be surprised what they mix. But it's like, you've been eating sausages mixed with what no, God knows what kind of garbage for years. Why would you worry about a bit of lasagna? You know, it's got all sorts of things in it, and so it's got a bit of horse meat in it. It's only because they've lied to you, knowingly or unknowingly. It makes no difference as far as I'm concerned. It's the fact they're passing off as beef, and it isn't. Spaghetti bolognese, all beef. No, it's not. Don't lie. But give it to the homeless people. If you're going to throw it away, give it to homeless people. They'll eat it. It's a, it's been a dreadful waste. Why don't they just refrigerate the whole lot and take it to countries where these people need food? I mean, it just makes perfect sense to me. I don't, I don't quite understand why you would ever want to throw any of this any of this good food away. The fact it's got horse in it, and you've been eating it for years, and now they're saying you can't, you shouldn't be eating horse, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, incidentally, if you want to, I can, I can do your house today, okay? A house in, in Liverpool. All right, it's Liverpool, but it's a nice little, uh, well, it's in Granby, okay? It's, it's it probably sort of one up, one down. You probably need to put a bathroom in or something like that. I could do a bargain price for you today. How much do you reckon I'll do it for you for? Tell you what. I'm not going to charge you. I think it's probably worth about £20,000. I'm not going to charge you £20,000 for this house today. Um, what, what could I do it for? £18,000? I'd be cutting off my nose if I did it 18 i am not going to do it £18,000. No. I'll tell you what I'd do it for you today for. £500? No, no. I can't do it for... Th- I feel like the jewellery channel where they're flogging. There was somebody actually on... Was it Living? And uh, oh, he's been there for years, years and years. And he was he was saying he said he said this is the first time on living that we've actually sold jewellery. We do sell it occasionally, but not very often. He said, but it's high end stuff. He said, unlike some of these other jewellery channels, he said, where they're flogging off rubbish. And of course it is. It's absolute pants. Most of it. It's cheap stuff made abroad, and it's 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 just it's cheap. That's all I can tell you. Anyway, so how much for this house? Two hundred and fifty quid. Two hundred and fifty quid. That'd be reasonable, wouldn't it, for a little house? It's, it's got a front door and it's got windows, bay window upstairs. I'll tell you what I'll do it for you today. Final price on this house in Liverpool, in Granby. Give us a quid. Give us a quid for it. Go on, there you go, a quid. Call this number now. Oh, so call that number, OK? That number I've just given you. It's on the website. Call that number, I'll give you that house for a quid, OK? Probably cost you about five, six grand to get it up to scratch. But a pound, you can have it for a pound. That's what they're doing here. City Hall Chiefs want local people to buy the terrace properties and use the cash they save on the deal to bring them up to scratch. I mean, so all it takes is somebody just buy the whole lot up for a tenner, a, a developer, and push it. It won't go to ordinary little people. It'll go to some developer. Bit of a shame, isn't it, really? But a pound, isn't that good? Oh, Helen Flanagan, waiting for a train in Manchester again. Spends a lot of time on trains, doesn't she, really? I think it's an old picture, to be honest with you. I don't believe she's actually allowed out twice in a year. Kevin Keegan is loving a new fragrance designed to calm stressed-out fans. It's called... Je l'amerai. French for I will love it. Ooh, I'm not sure about that, actually. Kevin Keegan doing it. Oh, there you go. Uh, who's this inside? Kimberly Wyatt from the Pussycat Dolls. I'm so bored with the Pussycat Dolls. I really am. Still National Chip Week, isn't it? 
We're still celebrating chips. Whoopee! Chips. And then they've got uh, the best chips, because it is national chips. Do you know we eat 1.6 million tonnes of chips? I think Duncan Barks does that by himself. 1.6 million tonnes of chips each year. They're a hit with all the uh, stars, including Rihanna. Oh, how stupid. What a stupid thing to write. A hit with Rihanna. <laughs> stupid thing. I was going to say the Beckhams eat them. Well, they all do except Victoria, because she wouldn't eat anything at all. And uh, the worst, KFC large fries. 448 calories, 21 grams of fat. Everything they sell in KFC, I'm afraid, is designed to make you look like a lardy. Um, McDonald's large French fries, 460 calories. In fact, actually, if, it, if it's, you know, it's, it's because it's fried, it's not so good. Uh, soap star PJ Brennan has told of his horror of being branded a faggot in the street. The actor who plays Doug Carter says he was horrified by the gay slurs hurled at him in real life. It's, um, he says he hasn't had, he hasn't just had anti-gay comments from straight people, he's also come under attack from the gay community. And the American-born in Brooklyn, New York, admits it's tough. He says, people assume that I'm 100% comfortable about being gay, but it's exactly the opposite. The perception is that I should have got all this worked out by the time I got on a show that's put me in the spotlight for being gay. I'm still working on it. I'm very late in my development. Isn't it funny? A lot of a lot of gay men have tweeted me to say, I have a gay haircut now, which is homophobic. Gay men tweet me and say, I'm skinny or cry too much. So within the gay community, there is self-hatred. There's a lot of old Marys who ride side saddle. Come on. You don't take any notice or puffies out on the streets there who go around calling each other Mary and stuff like that. Don't worry about that. They're probably not gay at all. They're probably just pretending to be gay. There are probably a lot of straight men who live in caravans who really want to be gay. Uh, the sun on the front page, apart from... Uh, vintage. Oh dear, Chucky, Chucky's inside. Really hater, really hater. Now I'm afraid. Award-winning novel. Somebody wrote to me. Very funny, actually, which is very strange. I've lost the thing now. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, that's right. From Julia, who says she won the Booker Prize twice. Well, which which planet have you just wandered in off, love? No, we, we we we're quite well aware of who she is. Have you read her books? No, of course you haven't. I didn't think you had. Don't, don't sound like the sort of person who'd be reading Booker Prize winners. Does anybody read them? No. Doesn't alter the fact she's a foul-mouthed old little midget who's overweight, with bad makeup, hair and teeth. Not to die for, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, Lauren is in Kensington. Yes, well, somebody's got to be, I suppose, at this time of the morning. It's great, it's not, not so cold. Not so cold out there at the moment. Lisa, says, have you been to Northern Ireland? No. No. I've seen pictures, you know. I've seen pictures of the moon, but I haven't been there either, I'm afraid. And uh, one here, uh, Joe, says, I've been in Singapore for ten days on holiday. Had a fabulous time. I'm surprised you've made it, actually. They don't like chewing gum or chavs or anything over there. They're very funny, aren't they, in Singapore, about people spitting on the street. I walked down the street yesterday, just down here. Just a little, little, little walk down there. And I might have been up that way. I'm off to the right. I went off to the right. And do you know, the whole of the pavements are covered in chewing gum. All those white blobs, that's chewing gum. We must get through a ton of it. Do you know if you do that in Singapore, they have you arrested. If you spit chewing gum out. You're supposed to put it in bins. Here, of course, we can't even put cigarettes out. You see people standing by the bus, <sighs> getting the last drag out until the bus comes and just flick it on the floor. I saw a bloke the other day doing one of these golden tours of London. You know, you know where they stand, they go, uh, tour, you know, you, you want to get on a bus and go around London? And they fly. And he was standing, talking to tourists, with a fag on. He had a cigarette on, and I nearly took a picture and sent it into his company to go, is this the kind of standard that you're operating in London? 
dreadful people. I find it, I'm, I'm trying to remember which company it was, because I'll see him again. But it was the fact that he had a fag on, and he walks onto the bus, and he's still got his fag on, on the tourist bus. Dreadful piece of work. Dreadful, dreadful piece of work. Um, Jane Moore talks about Hilary Mantel, Nadine Dorries. Oh, dear, where did your career go, Nadine? It's all finished, isn't it, love? Nobody cares about you anymore. Um, also, Martine McCutcheon. And she does mention, Jane Moore talks about this lovely bit, which I've said to you before. She says, meanwhile, other fading stars who don't have the luxury of Mr Grant, this is Hugh Grant's busy work diary, are negotiating deals where the paparazzi snap them unawares and then they split the profits. Now, we've told you this about Chantelle. Chantelle Houghton does that. She has a photographer who travelled with her in the car, took a picture of her sitting there, then they split the money. And that's what... Because you often wonder, don't you, how many times... Some, I mean, they don't send paparazzi out with these people all the time, so they do a deal with them. Come out with me, I'll go and sit somewhere and look a bit mournful or a bit sad. That's how Chantelle makes her living. She's a fraud. She's an out-and-out fraud, apart from the fact she's not even very pleasant. You know, that's what they do. They take a picture and they put it in the paper. The paper will buy it, say, for, you know, 100 quid or 500 quid, and then they just split the money. So everybody's very happy. I mean, it, it's... Unfortunately, it's uh, it, it's taking the mickey out of people like you who genuinely... Bel- I mean, you've seen them, haven't you, queuing up. You've only got to look at the people who queue up probably for Lauren Goodger's book in Birmingham. 30 dimbos in Birmingham queue up to read about some old trout from Essex who's flogged her life story. I wouldn't mind if she was 100 or 55 or 60. She's not lived at all. All she's done is she's been out with a few old blokes. She's got fat... But they've got to try and hinge it on something, haven't they? So they're trying to find something desperately to make her interesting. And she's not. She's found that. She used filthy language. And this apparently warrants a book nowadays. It'll be remained in Poundland before Christmas. And, uh, and then we'll go out and buy it. And then it'll probably burn for about an hour on the, uh, on the old fire. Much cheaper than buying logs at the garage. How many people applied for a job at Costa Coffee? Uh, they had eight jobs. Five of them part-time at a coffee shop. How many people applied? 1,700 people. And Costa says many were hugely overqualified. Area manager Sham Ramparia says it shows how hard times are. There have been a lot of high-caliber applicants. They pay between 5.40 and 10 quid an hour. I'm not at all surprised. Have you found anybody British who works in Pret-a-Manger? Is there anybody British in there? I don't think so. They don't employ British people. You go to 90% of coffee shops now, Polish. 90% are Polish. But it's, it's Pret-a-Manger. They don't seem to have anybody who's British. I find it absolutely unbelievable. That's why it's difficult to get a job. So 1,700 people seek eight Costa posts to go and make coffee. Dear God, times have got that bad, ladies and gentlemen. Mind you, we have a, an unhealthy... An unhealthy preoccupation with coffee now, don't we? As opposed to just a cup of coffee... You stand there and they go, skinny, sorry, skinny, um, yes, yeah, dry, yeah, yes, dry, dry. Uh, would like an extra shot, uh, yeah, Whip, whipped cream, mm, um, yeah, crushed nuts, you wash your mouth out. This is Eld's Biggest Conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 12 minutes to five. Wednesday, love Wednesday, loving Wednesday, loving everything about you this morning. Uh, really am. Um, one here. That says, uh, he says, Steve Allen show ordered some new trainers. I tried that and it didn't work. Something about getting them out of the box and on your feet. <laughs> That's good. And, um, and Dan says, you rock. 
Oh, well, I'm not not going to disagree with that at all. Uh, and then Bob says, Steve, help you get what? I wrote fit. Fit on there. Although, actually, the way we're going, I'll be lucky to make it through to Christmas. Then you'll be sorry. Uh, Steve Allen, what's the hat, what does the hat look like? Um, it's the kind of thing Duncan would wear. Duncan would wear one, one of these sort of hats. Uh, but I should look very trendy uh, in my, my hat and new trainers with Velcro on. Uh, I missed yesterday because I had to go to bed because I was very tired. And it's the, it wasn't the chip shop documentary. It was the chicken shop documentary and it was on too late they put it on too late for people like me you know i cannot sit there at nine o'clock at night i've got a show to do in the morning i'm i'm supposed to sound you know they pay me for sounding awake they pay me for sounding bitter and vitriolic at this time of the morning which of course every single person in the country is it's just that i'm the one who admits it and I could probably 4OD it, couldn't I? I could probably watch it. Because I, I do quite fancy watching cheap chicken shops flogging tat to people who sit there and eat chicken. I don't know what this fascination with chicken is. I really... I can't work it out at all. I can't, is it because it's cheap? And you get a box of chips with it and the chicken and people like the, the, the grease... Tri- do you know, we're going to be so fat in years to come. You know, it's bad enough at the moment. The newspapers are full of stories of us being obese. And this is bad. And it's because of all these places. But it does taste nice, doesn't it? Which is the worst supermarket? You probably know by now, don't you? It's Tesco. Tesco is the worst supermarket. Waitrose is the best. Uh, Waitrose got a customer score of 82%. Tesco, bottom of the table uh, for its pricing, store environment, quality of fresh produce and customer service. More than 11,000 which members rated the supermarkets. Well, I mean... If, with all due respect to Witch Magazine, if you're a Tesco shopper, you ain't going to be sub- subscribing to Witch Magazine, are you? You're going to be reading Fatty's R Us Weekly. You know, you're not going to be subscribing to Witch. Witch is very much a middle-class magazine and publication, and I, I speak as somebody who's read it avidly in the past, and I love it. I, I might take out a subscription. I might take out a subscription. But it's not read by people who want to do, do cheap shopping. If you shop in Lidl... You're not going to be a witch subscriber, are you? So that's why Waitrose would, would come out the top. Fourth place, strangely enough, uh, was Marks and Spencer's, because Aldi and Lidl got 97%. 97% of the vote. Isn't that funny? Marks and Spencer's, well, I mean, the standard in Marks has gone right down. Yesterday, uh, I was standing there with some water. I buy water, because I don't want to lug water around round Twickenham, so I do buy water. And I got two bags of water there. Anyway, it was, it was quite heavy. And there's about 15 of us in the queue and one, two people on the till. Two people. It takes the manageress to come in. You feel like pushing a button and going, Oi, are you blind? There's people queuing up to the back of the shop and you've only got two people on the till. So eventually she saw it and did something about it. But they're so lack. They couldn't give a stuff about you in there. It's, it's such a shame. It used to be so, so good. Not anymore, I'm afraid. Not anymore. Um... Uh, people wanted straight discounts in a supermarket because it's the only place you never negotiate. Everywhere else you negotiate a discount. You don't get to the till and they go, £13.50, and you go, give me tenner. And they go, £13.50, and you go, 12 quid? £12.50. I'm not going a penny higher than twelve fifty. You think, well, everybody else negotiates. Why shouldn't we negotiate in a supermarket? You know, some of them do buy one, get one free deals, which is, you know, pff, it's OK. Or buy three in Marks and Spencer's case. Why you'd want three of something, I've got no idea. Petrol vouchers were always very useful. But to be honest with you, I mean, petrol is so expensive now, it's cheaper to drink that than it is Pinot Grigio. Uh, We want supermarkets to make a firm commitment. A Tesco spokeswoman said, 
Millions of customers shop regularly with Tesco. We're always looking at ways to improve their shopping experience. Shopping experience. They do come up with cobblers, don't they? You're going in there. You go, right, where is this? Where's it? How can I find... What aisle number is it? Where have you moved them to? Because every so often in the supermarkets, they move it around. It's purely to annoy you. They have made a billion-pound commitment to make Tesco better for the UK customers. Well, that's great. If you're a Tesco customer, you probably absolutely love it. You know, I prefer not to be a Tesco customer. It doesn't fit into my, you know, my car looks silly in a Tesco car park. There's more disabled stickers in a Tesco car park and mother and baby and people who limp than anything else. So they have a huge section and they have people who put trolleys in. But, of course, the sort of people who shop in there around our area because it's over in Witten, the Tesco. It's, it's, it's a bit chavvy. It's a bit chavvy. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that in any way, uh, shape or form, to be derogatory. Really, it's chavvy. And uh, lots of it really, really chavvy. A lot of overweight people. And uh, and they've got the... I always think it says it's, it's a bad sign when they've got somebody who comes around and washes your car in the car park. But me, they come nowhere near. Don't go anywhere near because it's only £5.60. So it's appealing to somebody who's got a Hillman Imp or a Cinquecento or something like that. You know, anybody who's got anything bigger than a wheelbarrow, they don't really want to wash it. So consequently, and you know, I can get out of the car. I could hang around by it for ages going, excuse me. Oi, oi, over here, come, 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 come. Do you want to wash this? Probably not. It's uh, the Brits tonight. Very excited, very excited. This is where the industry pats itself on the back and tries to flog off a load of albums that they've got sitting in sheds and garages, which didn't sell first time round. So the entertainment, the entertainment, I wonder who'll be singing live. Uh, Muse will open, and then you've got performances from Justin Timberlake. Lord, he's still alive, is he? Mumford and Sons. You quite like Mumford and Sons. I just like the sound of it, but because it sounds like Dombey and Sons, doesn't it? Sounds like a Dickens thing. One One Direction will be my will be singing live. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Robbie Williams. Oh God, not Robbie Williams again. Because he's in town, isn't he? Because I think he's filming Ant and Deck. I don't know why they get so excited about Robbie. He doesn't even live in this country. He da- he deigns to wander back in, you know, every so often, and that's it. Ben Howard. I've got no idea who Ben Howard is. Is he a singer? Perhaps he's a juggler. Perhaps he does magic. Who knows? Oh, I've got talking of magic. I've got another magic show to mention. We're magicked out at the moment. What with uh, the card shark at the Mayfair Hotel, shortly to move. Uh, Ian Keeble has got a show coming up, and it's the secret world of Charles Dickens. Ooh, Charles Dickens and his magic. I'll give you details of that a bit later on. And then Emily Sanday is going to close. Taylor Swift is over as well. So that'd be nice. She had a wave at Harry Styles. You were rubbish, you were rubbish. And uh, he'll be going, oh, God, try and get over yourself, love. And so Emily Sanday will close. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Some of our other radio stations right, get very excited. They've, got, they, they've all got, you know, green rooms and access to the stars and everything like that. And I'll be, I'll be in bed, I'm afraid, tucked up, dreaming of kebabs, chips. Oh, can't eat kebabs anymore because most of them contain um, horse, I'm afraid. Because what it is, it's mince... And then they turn it into a circle, and then they put it they put it on this big spike. So they make it. I watched them making them once, and they push it all through a machine. So you could be eating horse quite literally all the way through this thing. You've got no idea what you're eating. And the idea is it's cheap, isn't it? Cheap meat. So there's a very good chance most of them are supplying horse with it as well. And they just mix it in to bulk it up a bit, and then they put it on there. You can't taste the difference. You've been eating it for years. By the time you've had three or four pints, a kebab tastes like a kebab. The only ones you could probably go for are the ones on the skewers, and even then I'm not too sure what it is. You know, I mean, it looks like meat, but it could be horse. Certainly not hamster. I think you'd recognise if it was hamster, because there's not a lot of meat to hamsters, is there at all? There's a magistrate 
who's a fiddler. He walked free from court yesterday. It was an expenses scam. Former chairman of the bench, Carlton Jansen, claimed for loss of earnings from his job whilst carrying out court duties when he'd already retired. He sat in judgment on benefit sheets in Bolton, was given an eight-month suspended sentence. He admitted deception and fraud. I'd have hanged him. I'd have hanged him. 79, 69 years old, a former chairman of the bench, and given a suspended sentence. What, what signal does this send out to people? And the answer is it sends out, you can be a benefit fraudster, even if you're a judge and you get away with it because you grease a few palms, don't you, Carlton? You thieving old toe rag. I hate people like that. Thousands of pounds. And we just go, oh, let's give him a suspended sentence. He might die soon. Nuts the polar bear is back. Remember Nut, K-N-U-T? Remember Nut the polar bear? Oh, he's back. He died two years ago, so they stuffed him and they brought him back. He was at Berlin Zoo. He died of a brain aneurysm in 2011. He was only four and his face, fur and claws have been fitted over a model for the display where a film shows how it was done. Oh, my God. It's a stuffed animal in a zoo. <laughs> Poor little soul, honestly. 6,000 people. Flocked to see the beloved creature now stuffed, unveiled at a museum. Oh, I'm not sure about that. But didn't Roy Rogers have Trigger stuffed? For older listeners, start here. I'm sure that Roy Rogers was stuffed. And there's various other animals over the years who've been stuffed. The art of taxidermy is still very much alive in this country. But the idea that Nut the polar bear is back in the limelight two years after he died. Oh, bless his heart. Little realising he would achieve immortality. We're going to take all your innards out and stuff you with something. <laughs> oh, dear. There was a great museum we went to years ago, Potter's Museum of Curiosities, I think, in Arundel. And it's been sold now. But this was a man who was a taxidermist. And he used... <laughs> Sounds horrible, but I promise you they were quite funny. He had tableaus because the Victorians loved taxidermy. And so what he did, he had the kitten's wedding. And so you had 20 or 30 little kittens all been stuffed in a church setting, one dressed up as the bride. He had rabbits playing cricket. They'd all been stuffed as well. And, and, and he had lots of these stuffed animals in, in glass cases. But it was the kitten's wedding, I always remember. You can probably find it. You probably just type it in on, um, on Google. Kitten's wedding... Potter's Museum of Curiosities, I think. And then you can see... And they look really sweet. Then they've got, I think, kittens in a classroom or something like that. And they're all sitting there, all little kittens that died or were drowned or something. Anyway, and they turned them into this tableau and it became became quite famous. The Victorians loved it. To have cabinets and um, domes full of stuffed birds. Oh, very ideal, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, we'll take a short break for the news at five o'clock. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve uh, Allen's early breakfast. I must tell you after the news about the uh, the tiny tool ad which has been axed. And uh, that'll interest you this morning. Plus, we take all your texts and emails, 84850, uk, and we celebrate more from London Fashion Week, and we'll be telling you about the secret world of Charles Dickens. All of that and more next part of the programme. FM, online and digital radio, London's biggest conversation. This is LBC 90. 
LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Welcome along to Wednesday. Soon be Christmas. I'll start counting. I think we'll have to buy an advent calendar very soon and start going through. The, the, it's, the days are just whizzing by so fast. So, so fast. It's ridiculous. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, another one here, uh, which says... Um, oh, this is from Andy. He says, my night bus driver seems to be in a drag race in Gower Street with two fellow bus drivers. With any luck, I will be on LBC at 5.15 this morning. Poor, honestly, Andy always gets the wrong buses every time he gets on them. It's terrible. Uh, Chris says, have you ever shopped in, uh, in Aldi? Of course. I've been in every supermarket. I'm worldly wise. I've done everything. I've watched every single television channel that there is to watch. I didn't watch Skyfall yesterday. I did deliberately. It was delivered, and I did think I'll watch Skyfall. And in the end, I couldn't be bothered. I don't know why. Somebody said it's particularly long. Particularly long. And I thought, oh, I don't like it when they say it's a particularly long film. It kind of turns me off a little bit. But nevertheless, if you are up with us this morning, whether you're working, delivering, coming, coming to work on a radio station, or getting up to do breakfast, or anything like that, or you're cooking... Then, um, then you're very welcome, because you have sort of one of those long days, don't you? But if you're working in a cafe, that's even better, because you do the breakfast, and then you can, generally speaking, by about 11 o'clock, you've kind of finished, and you can sort of go home. There used to be a place in Soho, we used to go to after all the clubs, and it just did breakfast, and it, all it served was breakfast. By the time breakfast finished at 9 o'clock in the morning, they, they closed, and that was it. You just went in there, I think, from about 2 in the morning, and they did breakfast. Oh, it was wonderful. Fried egg... Uh, sausage, bacon, fried bread, beans, chips, whatever you wanted. It was just wonderful. It was all served at these refectory tables where you sort of shared with another load of old drunken old reprobates. But it was great, you know, to have a, have a breakfast cooked first thing in the morning or even just a toasted bacon sandwich. It's making me hungry again now. <laughs> Apparently, somebody was telling me, a friend of mine, that uh, he went over to get a cup of coffee from McDonald's because it, it's open till about two in the morning, then it closes, then it opens again at five or something. He said, and there's a lady in there who goes round because people go in there, all the drunks, and they fall asleep at the table. So she goes round and she bangs on all the tables. And she goes, wake up, this isn't a hotel, out, and throws them out. Unfortunately, she's obviously not there in the early hours of the morning because the Polish girls stand behind the counter and drunks all over the place. Not so good. Phil says there may have been 30 people in the queue for Lauren Goodger's book signing, but how many were actually buying the book and how many were plants by the publisher? Or am I being too cynical? Far too cynical. I, I agree with you. I think there's probably only six people. I mean, if you live in Birmingham, with all due respect, you're way out your comfort zone. The people in Birmingham or Manchester or Liverpool or Glasgow or Edinburgh or any of these places outside of Brentwood aren't going to be remotely interested in buying the diary of an Essex girl. Why would you? It's like going to Brentwood and saying, would you like to buy the story of the kilt? You know, you're not going to be interested. You're going to go, no, thank you. And exactly the same. I mean, how misguided, but still trying to shift a, port, uh, you know, a few books for Lauren Goodyear. I'll, you know, I wouldn't waste my money. I'll wait till it's remaindered, and even then I wouldn't be that interested. I'll be looking for a special deal, I'm afraid. Uh, another one here. Uh, have you ever watched Saints and Scoundrels? Uh, I, is that the one with Dominic Littlewood in it? Is that that one there? about people who cheat the benefit system. It's a real item, it says Cindy. Yeah, I've, I think I've seen a bit of that. I've seen the bailiffs programme where they go round, but they don't seem to actually put these people in prison. They just, you know, I mean, 
far as I'm concerned, I think we're far too mamby-pamby with people nowadays. We go, oh, you know, we're not going to send you to prison. You know, you've managed to get away with it. And I think, I think that's wrong. I think it's wrong. I just don't think that, you know, we're, we're hard enough on people. Any other country, they'd be very, very hard on people. Type in Walter Potter's Kitten Wedding, and you can have a look at the pictures. It's the Museum of Curiosities, a very bizarre Victorian collection of the kitten's wedding. I think they've got kittens in school. They've got rabbits playing cricket. It, it, it is slightly, slightly strange, actually. But the uh, Victorians absolutely love taxidermy. We recoil in, ho- in, 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 sort of, in, in sort of like mock horror. We go, oh, I can't believe that, you know, you'd be interested in watching little kittens all sort of stuffed. I mean, they were at one point, I know, at one point they were all alive. That's the odd thing. And, and he just went round and collected them, had them stuffed, combed their hair out and put them in little outfits. So even in death, these kittens have a morbid curiosity, ladies and gentlemen. And he's also got little guinea pigs playing <laughs> instruments at the table. I mean, we shouldn't laugh. And then you've got, I think this was the, the rats disrupting the school classroom. The Victorians love taxidermy. And in America... You can have this done to your favourite... I think that, that's the kitten's tea party, isn't it, there? You can have your favourite pet freeze-dried in a, in a favourite position. So if you've, if you've loved your dog all your life, you don't have to lose it. I saw an advert. I wasn't sure if it was a true advert or, or not a true advert, and it appeared in Country Life. And it was about funerals. And it said, we can look after your funerals, whether or not it's a cremation, a burial, or... We can embalm your body so you live on forever in an open casket. I thought, I'm not really sure about that. I don't know where the legality comes in in having... You know, it's like people who, years ago, we did lots of pieces on LBC about... Uh, is it cryogenics? And this is where you could have a piece of your body frozen, uh, or your whole body, or just your head, and then in years to come, if they develop something that means they can cure whatever you died of, they can bring you back to life. And they had the case of a man in France whose mother is in a deep freeze in an outhouse. She's been deep frozen and there's a, and there's a freezer unit. And I thought, well, that, that, that's great, but what happens if he dies and he doesn't tell the next person? They go in and just turn the power off. You've kind of defeated the object. But you could have different bits of your body frozen. I thought, well, who's going to remember this? Nobody's going to remember. That's Steve Allen. Uh, we've actually managed to keep his head, uh, hopefully, so that in years to come we can connect it up to somebody else's body. It's going to be very strange, isn't it? I'll probably get Nelly the Elephant, knowing my luck. Always, always turns out badly, I'm afraid, stuff like that. So uh, we do watch. Oh, guess what they're bringing back on the tape? You won't like this idea. It, was, it, it died years ago. Do you remember Stars in Your Eyes with Matthew Kelly, where they go, and tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be... Britney Spears. We had to put up with the usual old reprobates, didn't we? Carol Vorderman and everybody else all pitched up on this programme. And they had lots of people there. But it's going to be called Your Face Sounds Familiar. And so it's going to be a cross between the X Factor with a massive dollop of fun. Seven celebrities will impersonate different music stars over six weeks. Uh, We haven't been told who the people are. uh, Or anything at all. We just hear it's very light-hearted. It's going to be made by Endemol... I don't know, in fact, uh, who is going to be hosting the thing. There's no magic. I just hope it's not Vernon Kay or Brian Dowling 
or Dermot O'Dreary. We don't want any of these people, do we? It'd be quite nice to find somebody who could actually present. Uh, the only way is Essex star, as I mentioned earlier, Cara Kilby. She's not a star, she's a rather stupid person. In fact, actually, I'll go so far to say she's incredibly stupid. Uh, she's quit the TV show just weeks after pleading guilty to drink driving. Filming on the new show began yesterday, with the show due to return to our screens this Sunday. Cara will be the only character not to return. Thank God for that, you stupid person. She later tweeted she hoped others would learn from my mistakes. Well, luckily we're more intelligent than you, love. You're quite clearly the stupid one, because uh, 90% of us don't drink drive. Incredibly dumb. Apparently a source said it was a mutual decision between her and the producers. In other words, they said, you're out. We can't have a convicted drink driver on the programme. Uh, she feels it's the right time to move on. Move on to who? Move on to who, dear? On, on to where? And then apparently, meanwhile, Sam for Ears and Joey Essex secretly split at Christmas but have since made up. In other words, it's fake. You know it's fake. I know it's fake. They know it's fake. Uh, Joey revealed their split didn't last very long. He said... After two days, I ended up going to Sam's with a bunch of flowers. Oh, how lovely. That lovely. So romantic. So romantic. And uh, Emmerdale. I don't know if you're watching Emmerdale. It's, it's, it's turned a bit peculiar, I'm afraid. A certain story. I don't know how they're getting... How that pub has remained open, I'll never know. And they still allow that horrible man in it, who partly runs the garage and is a part thug... Yeah, I'm surprised that nobody shot him. They, I mean, anybody else in the Dales, they'd have shot ages and ages ago. Food Glorious Food host Carol Vorderman. Oh, Carol Vorderman again, really. Lord save me from Carol Vorderman. I don't want to mention anything about her at all. I think we'll have a Carol Vorderman free moment. Because it's like every day you open up the papers and there's Carol Vorderman again. Uh, there's a model in the paper. She's obviously going to be the one who you're going to be reading about all over for the next year or so. Her name is Cara Delavine, I think. But uh, she stomped down the catwalk of seven runways the other day. She's not even that great looking. She's really not that great looking. She's very. But then models don't have to be good looking. All they're looking for is a clothes horse. They're not looking for anybody who's particularly attractive because they cake you with makeup, they cut your hair, they colour it, they do all sorts of things. Um, and here's Michael Jackson's eldest son. This is Prince Michael. Looks like he's been eating a little bit too much at the uh, at the pie shop. He's landed a top television job because he's got no money. And uh, when one presenter, Brooke Anderson, told him he seemed mature, the King of Pops lad said, that's all thanks to my dad, he raised me right. So he's 16, and he's got a job on a television entertainment show because he doesn't inherit any money till he's 21. So he's got to wait till he's 21, which is OK, which is OK. It's just, you know, to call somebody Prince Michael does seem slightly strange, doesn't it? I mean, we all know Michael Jackson was a bit barking mad, but, I mean, goodness sake... Goodness sake. Uh, Nicki Minaj. I, I just realised which record that was Nicki Minaj. Is that the one? Dun, dun, it bound to fly. I like that record. There's so many good bits in it. It's like that combination of about three or four records. I love it. I played that constantly in my car stereo, and I'm always listening to it. I was sitting next to a car the other day, and he was pumping out some house record with his windows down. So I sort of wound my windows down and pumped out Les Miserables. <laughs> Far classier, I thought. Far classier. It's funny, all these people who've got these very loud stereos, they've always got incredibly rubbish cars. Really, really bad, cheap cars. I feel like saying to him, if you spent less money on your silly sound system, you could have had a proper car, as opposed to that girly thing you're driving. News headline. Now just get that right in your mind. Today, it's called Clegg. Not tomorrow, today. I know it's Wednesday, 
Just in case you're thinking, I've woken up on the wrong day, or Steve Allen's missed out something somewhere, he's finally flipped, and he's lost his marbles completely. No, call Clegg today, Wednesday. And so he'll talk about smoking, giving up, still struggling with that one, the Eastleigh by-election, of course, and claims that he's a hypocrite for considering sending his son to private school. Plus, as a new report reveals, 3.8 million people have been made redundant since the recession. Nick Ferrari will be asking how worried we should be for our jobs. And, as it's announced, IVF will now be available for the over 40s. Nick will want to know, does age matter when you have kids? Looking at the papers today, Yasmin Alibi-Brown, the British journalist and author, regular columnist for The Independent and The Evening Standard, will be looking through the papers. I wonder whether or not she'll see the story about the, the bus passengers. They were sitting on, on a bus, minding their own business, going along... Uh, a road, and there, on the edge of a lay-by, were a pack of hounds savaging a fox, pulling a fox apart in the middle of the road. Uh, They chased it out of a forest and tore it to pieces. Up to ten hunting dogs savaged the animal. Yesterday, police were investigating the circumstances surrounding the fox's death as local hunt organisers distanced themselves. They said, no, our dogs were 20 miles away. Well, it shouldn't be too difficult. I have to be honest, only ten dogs in a hunt doesn't really seem that many to me. But this morning, on the A40, coming out of uh, Aberwheel, I don't, I don't know, I think it must be in West Wales, actually, a group of hunting dogs came out. Uh, one of the dogs was hit and killed by a car in the process. It was an awful thing. The joint hunt's master, Martin Walters, said, Our hounds were 20 miles away in the village of Pendine when it happened. We're a registered pack and we are regularly monitored. We were being monitored by the National Trust on Saturday when this happened. He said that uh, this unlicensed hunting with foxhounds went on in the area. So, but it's terrible pictures, terrible pictures in the paper. Actually, talking of things on the road, there is, there is one person here. I don't know how many times it took you to pass your driving test. I failed first time, passed second time. And I do see some... I mean, I've, I've, I feel for people. I'm, I'm trying to be very, very good. So yesterday, day before... Yeah, day before yesterday, there's somebody going through Twickenham and the traffic lights were red and it was a learner driver. And they're sitting there and the car in front moved off when the lights went green. Unfortunately, she moved off, but like all people, and we've all done it, she stalled the car. And so she, you know, put it back out of gear again. Well, I thought she had, but she hadn't because she lurched forward when she put Pushed the uh, thing to start the car again. So they then took it out of gear, started the car, did it again. In the meanwhile, two cars behind, they start hooting. Beep, 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 beep. They get really annoyed, really annoyed. So, of course, that makes her more frustrated. I stand there. I mean, I, I could barely suppress laughter, I'm afraid. I don't want, to be, don't want to be rude about people like that. But you do think, I've been in that situation. It's awful. And the more frustrated you get and the more you stall the car, the more, the more upset you get and the more red your cheeks become. So I felt a little bit sorry for an unnamed driver from London who has failed their car theory test 107 times. So far, it has cost them £3,317 trying to pass the exam, which costs 31 quid a time. There's a 57-minute multiple-choice exam with a pass mark of 43 and a hazard perception test with a pass mark of 44. Once you pass both parts of the theory, there's still the practical to overcome. I don't remember doing that. They just said, you know, they asked you a few questions at the end and then they went, on the second time round, you pass. I'm pleased to tell you that you passed your driving test. You want to throw your arms around them and kiss them, don't you? You go, yeah, thank you so much, thank you so much. I could drive, I could drive. And so, but the only thing they don't teach you how to drive is on the motorway. So the first time I went on the motorway, I was petrified. You sort of kind of cling to the verge as you're driving up there. An AA driving school spokesman said, it's an an unusually high number of test attempts, 107. 
107. Mind you, it could be that they just aren't capable of learning how to drive a car. In which case, then, you don't really want them on the road anyway, do you? I don't want them being passed out of sympathy. Thank you very much indeed. There's a new Bentley out here. It's the 200 mile an hour Flying Spur. Certainly the most powerful ever produced by Bentley. And the price tag, very good value, you know, very good value. 140,900. 140,000. Well, I know second-hand cars at the moment, which, which are going for 170,000. It's a flying spur. It weighs three tonnes. It seats four or five, depending on the configuration. Six-litre twin-turbocharged W12, the equivalent to six Ford Fiestas. I think I'm six-litre as well. Exactly the same. Uh, Eight-speed automatic gearbox with Formula One-style manual paddle shifts. Top speed, 200 miles an hour. Fuel consumption average 19.2 miles per gallon. And the price on the road, probably not top-loaded, 140900 So you could buy a brand-new one for that. Seems quite good, actually, but it doesn't look like a Bentley to me. I want them to look like Bentleys. That's why I'm, I would love, 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 love to have a new Rolls Phantom. I've seen a few of those. They love it. I've seen one in the garage. That was 162000 for second-hand. Second-hand. Not so good, is it? Here's the uh, online trainer. Trader, sorry, Jubigan, not a trainer, he's a trader. His name is Henry Patterson. And uh, with the help of his mother, he set up an online confectionery business and he's raking in the pounds. His shop, Not Before Tea, has had more than 100 orders and Henry has smashed his £10 profit target for the first month of his first week of trading. He hands out business cards to fellow pupils at Swanbourne House School in Buckinghamshire and he says nobody knows the type of sweets that children like better than a child. His mother said all the money he makes is going into a bank account to help start future business businesses. <laughs> Bless his heart. At nine years old. Not really so much of an entrepreneur, more of somebody who's sort of flogging sweets overpriced to kids at school who will happily go along with it. So good for him. He's being, at least he's being an entrepreneur. And uh, actress and charity campaigner Elspeth Gray, who was Lady Ricks, died in hospital the other day at the age of 83. Uh, her husband, Brian Ricks... She was made lady when he was made a, a life peer. She appeared in Cat Weasel, Blackadder, Faulty Towers, Doctor Who, Tenko, and Four Weddings and a Funeral. So there you go. The birth of their daughter Shelley, who had Down syndrome in 51, led the couple into charity work with Lord Ricks, becoming chairman of the learning disability campaigners Mencap. The chief executive said, Elspeth made a real difference in a world where few really do. We will work hard to ensure that her legacy of campaigning and care will continue. She survived by her husband, Brian Ricks is 89, ladies and gentlemen. For those people who remember the Brian Ricks farces in the West End, two sons, a daughter and grandchildren. Uh, Shelley died, sadly, in 2005. So Elspeth Gray, Lady Ricks, died the other day at the age of 83. We seem to be losing a lot of people this week. I don't like it. I'm not happy about losing people like that. Like losing, you know, part of, part of your audience. Not very good at all. I was still trying to come to terms with the story which made the papers the other day about the man whose wife is in hospital with dementia and the hospital have said she doesn't want to see you. And so he's effectively banned from seeing his wife. I mean, that, oh, sorry, that must be the worst nightmare that you could ever have where, you know, a hospital, people, perfect strangers to you, are forbidding you from seeing your wife. Uh, Prince Harry has taken his girlfriend Cressida off on holiday. Well, that's right, a little bit of work and then on holiday again. A little bit of work... And on holiday again. A little bit of work and then here's more holiday for Prince Harry. Uh, apparently there is a risk of uh, prostate cancer if you eat chips once a week. I mean, it's very bad. It's like pizza. I see people eating pizza all the time. And uh, even the pizza people say you should only have it as a treat. 
once a week should be enough for pizza. I've not had pizza for ages and ages. I like a Hawaiian. I like Hawaiian. Ham and, ham and pineapple. I don't think the Italians have ever heard of it. Or failing that, I like the Quattro Formaggi, which is four, four cheeses, because luckily I'm fluent, and uh, can speak other languages. And dough balls, which I don't like at all. But I do like Quattro But, I mean, I do like the Hawaiian. Only the British eat Hawaiian. Isn't that funny? Like, you don't think the Chinese seriously eat sweet and sour chicken, do you? No, nope, of course they don't. Far, far too sensible for things like that. Uh, other stories in the papers today. Pensioners will run out of money after just seven years. And the police are now probing a Tesco club card fraud. This is, uh, they reckon that some customers' accounts in Tesco could have been hacked into. The supermarket giant asked police to probe. They say fewer than 100 people have been affected. Some victims said vouchers worth hundreds of pounds have been stolen from their online club accounts. I don't actually know how it works, because I, I don't have a loyalty card for any supermarket at all. Apart from Sandy's, the fish shop in Twickenham, that's the only one I've got a loyalty card for. But uh, I'm very excited, actually. I think Twickenham's going to look quite nice this summer. I'm hoping, you know, we've got some new shops opening up. What they are, I've got no idea. I hope to God they're not charity shops again. More than enough charity shops. We don't want any more charity shops. I don't want any more coffee shops. I'd quite like to have some normal shops. I wish we had a card shop again. You know, like a Clinton's or like a card factory. Other people have got Clinton's. Why couldn't we keep our one? I'm just seeing how long Blockbusters is going to cling on for. A friend of mine said he went in there the other day. He said they've got a sale on, but he said it's not a particularly good sale. Because you know that Morrison's have expressed an interest in buying all the sites, or quite a number of the sites from Blockbuster, to turn them into Morrison's. I think they could be franchises. And then somebody said, we might actually be getting a Sainsbury's in Twicket. Where that's going, I've got no idea. Running out of room at the moment. Perhaps we could get rid of some of the charity shops and open up, you know, proper little shops. I don't want any more charity shops. Ruins a high street. Attracts all the wrong people who come into town looking for cheap things. So you end up with cheap shops, which is not good news for any high street. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast at 5.30. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. When do you think they start booking people for pantomime? Okay, pantomime Christmas. When do you think they actually start booking people for pantomime? I'll tell you when. Now. Now is when they start booking the stars for pantomime. And the reason I know this is because Anne Widdicombe has just been dropped from Panto for this year. Yeah! They've obviously decided that the wizened old little fat one ain't much cop at Panto. And so, uh, so she's tried to turn it round. And she says, I was briefly... Sorry, I can't do the voice. I was briefly saddened this week when told that I'm not required for pantomime when Craig Revel Hallwood's Snow White goes to South End. You imagine Anne Whittacombe in South End. Oh, dear. Then I spotted a silver lining. At least I'll not have to grow my hair yet again in order to make it long enough to pin up under a wig. And then the silver lining became a ray of sunshine as I realised I would have Christmas back and could spend it at home on Dartmoor. And then the ray became a great blaze, as I realised also that now I would no longer be away for weeks on end. It could be the time to get the family of animals I've been longing for. Woof. She's obviously going to get a cat and a dog. A bit old to be getting one of those. I mean, they'll probably outlive her, I should imagine. So, interestingly enough, I see I'm more interested in the fact that Craig Revel Horwood has dropped her from his panto for this year. So who's he putting in place? I wonder if they didn't do the business this year with Anne Whittacombe. Yeah, there's only so long that you can drag a joke around with you. There is only so long. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, somebody says, I've got a kebab shop. We're making our kebab with a 100% beef or lamb donor. 
uh, no away mixing and horse meat with it. Well, how do you know? How do you know? He says, so stop going on about kebab shops, otherwise I have to close down my shop. Fantastic. Hope it closes. We should close all the kebab shops down because you cannot trust the food that you're buying in there. They should all be closed and because they're very bad for you. Very, very bad for you. Very, very. I don't, I don't, for, strange enough, I don't ever see anybody who works at a kebab shop eating kebabs. They, they, see, they seem to eat elsewhere. They probably give you a rough idea what's going on, doesn't it? Um, Kelly's eye, Fergus Kelly, talking about Vivian Westwood, accusing Kate of having too many clothes and suggesting she should recycle her outfits. And then Hilary Mantel, describing the Duchess as being a shop window mannequin whose only point and purpose is to give birth. He says here, ho-hum, Mantell and Westwood will no doubt claim that their remarks were taken out of context. But their attention-grabbing choice of quarry is hardly atypical or audacious. It's about as wearisome and predictable as aiming a swipe at the harmless and dwindling C of E or still or still fulminating against Margaret Thatcher's perceived excesses. She's been out of power for nearly a quarter of a century. Isn't it time to get over it and find slightly more up-to-date and risky targets? As Miss Mantell could tell you, taking issue with the royals was swiftly followed by the loss of your head in Tudor times. It was still pretty daring in 1957. Today, it just looks contrived. We couldn't agree more. Just a little attention seeker. Poor soul, it's not her fault, is it? Why do they still show property search programmes on television from 2003? Homes abroad, things like that. I don't know. They, um... I mean, I, mean, I never believe the couples. When they take them to Australia, I just think they're going there for a free holiday. I think they actually, you know, go there. They have no intention of buying anything because they, they can't afford it. I think people think you go to Australia and it's all a bit like home and away and neighbours and stuff like that and everybody's got swimming pools. They have, but they've got no back garden. There's very, very small back garden. Most of the back gardens in Australia are taken up with the swimming pool. And it does look a bit silly. So when they get there and they go, and your £250,000 will buy you this little hovel. Because their, their prices have risen in exactly the same way. Sometimes it works out for families, provided they've done well in this country. But if you're just an ordinary family from Glasgow or, you know wherever, the Wirral, then it's not going to make any difference to you. You might as well stay where you are, because the, the weather isn't particularly brilliant. Hopefully, Adele will actually get to sing all the way through the Brits tonight without them cutting her off at the end. Oh, imagine how dreadful that is. Uh, <clears throat> um, <laughs> if, I get, if I watch a long film, says Paul, I get one of the servants to walk round backwards at half-time with chock ices and Kiora drinks. Lovely idea. I go for that one, actually. I, I do go for that one. Uh, 84850, steve at So don't forget, it's Call Clegg today. Not tomorrow, but today. I don't want you to sort of miss out on that one. Um, I've heard you mention the housewives of Beverly Hills. Apparently one of the housewives' husbands kills himself. Not at all surprised, actually. I've seen... that when they thinking? One of them comes out of the series, I think because she's had... Um, I think she's had people attacking her on the show. I think other because they're all vile, they're all vile. And somebody said yesterday they're thinking of putting Penny Lancaster in the show, Rod Stewart's uh, wife. Is it ex-wife, wife? I don't know where we are with Penny Lancaster. And and I thought, why, why? I, I don't I don't really see the purpose of putting somebody in like that because we know her. I'd, I'd rather not know the people and then make up my own mind about whether I like them or not. Uh, David says. Thank you for your kind comments on my food yesterday in Orlando. Can I give you lessons now? We, could, we do long-distance lessons, David, because he's in America. 
Uh, I didn't see the chicken shop, but I shall... Uh, very kindly, my, my producer has sent me the link to it. I'm going to have to watch it today, aren't I? I'm going to have to watch it. Because it was, it was on yesterday, and I didn't get a chance because I was fast asleep. And I, so far, I've not found anybody who did watch it. So if you did, do let me know. What was it like? I think this is, it's called just the chicken shop. And it was 24 hours in the life of it. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. And, uh, right, this one from, sorry, uh, from Simon, who says, uh, I'm a postal worker on a, on a big estate, and I could count on one hand how many people work on the estate, and these people tell to my face, I'm crazy working. Something has gone very wrong. Well, they're, they're bone idle, aren't they? The trouble is, you see, it's fine now. You get sort of um, some single family, some poor girl who's got herself pregnant intentionally, because, you know, if you don't use contraception, you're doing it intentionally. And they hope they're going to get a house. But, you know, and they're, they're in their, you know, late teens. Throw yourself further down the line. They're going to get to middle 30s and they're going to have nothing. They're going to be shunned by everybody because the country is suddenly going to wake up and realise that you've got to work to get everything because the government are going to start cutting back on benefits. No more will people be able to get themselves intentionally pregnant and then expect to sit back for the rest of their life and do nothing. Even though you've got this jobless woman in the paper who, uh, who's got 11 children once more. She's got a horse, apparently, which you're paying for, but, the, you know, she can pay for that out of her benefits. There's no... There's no rhyme and reason as to what you spend the benefits on. You know, the kids can go out and get a bag of chips or something. I shouldn't imagine she's ever cooked. She'll trash this latest house. But that's local council's fault. That's their business. If you live in Tewkesbury, it's up to you to move, isn't it? You don't want to have to put up with things like that. I passed my driving test, said little Julie. Then I had the pass plus lesson, which is motorway driving. See, my dad, I didn't didn't even know what that was. Oh, so pass plus is when you can go onto the motorway, is it? Ah, right. Very interesting. Uh, very interesting. How says, have you bought your green flash trainers? I have. £36. £36. Worth every penny, as far as I'm concerned. Worth every single penny. <laughs> I love the idea of buying, uh, of buying trainers. Which is good. Which is good. You know, it's, I think it's better if you're going to do some walking. Although a friend of mine said yesterday... You know, you need to do a little bit more if if your kidneys are not brilliant at the moment, which is a side effect of the of the diabetes. Then you know you need a little bit more. Why don't you get a personal trainer? And I thought, well, perhaps I should get a personal trainer. I mean, all the people around this building, some of them are fit. They cycle in, you know, they do the whole bit. I mean, I just can't be bothered. I really can't. It's I mean, it's probably a little bit lazy of me, a little bit lazy of me. And, and perhaps I I should be doing things like that, but I I tend not to. Uh, legendary rocker Ronnie Wood believes he's being held back by the rest of the Rolling Stones. Um, he's setting up house, as you know, with Sally Humphreys, who I think is something like 31 years his junior. So if she can keep up with him. I think it's highly unlikely. Yesterday's show, we were talking about the late, great Derek Beatty, and I mentioned Alan Taylor, says Paul, who hosted the HTV version of Mr and Mrs, which alternated with Derek's show on the network. Something in the back of my mind prompted me to look a little further into the show, and it turns out that Alan hosted a Welsh version of the show many years before Derek saw a tape of the original show. Yes, yes, we mentioned that yesterday. I wasn't sure if you remembered who Alan was, and to help you place him as you're only 39, if you recall a rather large American lady, hair in a bun, her name was Nancy Kaminsky. Oh, she did painting with Nancy. Oh, yes, I remember Nancy Kaminsky very well. She was, um, she looked vaguely Italian, didn't she? And she did this painting. And I remember it. It was Alan who co-hosted the show with her. Always very smart. Same blue suits Derry did and sported a monocle. Oh, right. A bit like the, um, the Water Rats. Always very smart. You see members of the Water Rats, they always look very smart. 
Very smart. So uh, I do. I do. He says, uh, hearing you mention on Monday's podcast about some of the places in people like us, not being in, is it Harper Hay? Is that how you pronounce it? Harper Hay. He says, in particular, the Waterloo pub. That was where the bad drag news agent put on his show. It's technically bang on the borderline of Chet. I'm going to get all these pronunciations wrong. Cheatham Hill, is it? Cheatham Hill and Harper Hay. And a stone's throw from another salubrious area called Newton Heath. The Monsell Flats were featured only because that's where the on-again-off-again girlfriend of the market trader lived. Update on the meeting. Over 200 attended. Residents asked for the remainder of the show to be shelved and are launching a petition and threatening to demonstrate outside BBC Salford. No end of excitement up there. Just over this television programme. The mother of Dale the Boxer turned DJ said her son was portrayed as being unemployed but is actually on a two-year apprenticeship which I myself thought they did mention and did numerous charity work. Others said their children were being bullied at school and estate agents said that people who'd booked viewings for houses in the area were pulling out in droves. Graham Stringer, the local MP, is trying to organise a meeting with Chris Patton as soon as possible and wants to know why licence fee cash is being wasted on the show. Figures for the first showing were about a million, which for the station is quite respectable. And as it's halfway through its run this week... I can't see it being pulled. Episode three, here we come. Oh, by the way, the chicken documentary is in 4OD. Thank you. I have the link to it now, and I can't wait to watch it. (laughs) News headlines with... It's 11 minutes to six. Wednesday morning in London town. It's called Clegg this morning. Not tomorrow. You may care to ask him... One of the questions you make, and you can go to the LBC website and you can pre-ask questions, uh, is about the Bulgarians and the Romanians who are planning to move to the UK. They reckon a quarter of a million, roughly the size of Nottingham, will arrive in five years. And why? Because when you look at what people in Bulgaria and Romania earn and the standard of living, they would be fools not to come here. For example, for junior doctors in Bulgaria, they earn... Come on, guess. We can play guessing games this morning on how much you think a junior doctor earns in Bulgaria. Three grand. Here, 22 grand. For example, a teacher in Bulgaria, an average yearly salary for a teacher, £9,000. Here, 34000 It's lower in Romania. A plumber in Bulgaria. Wait for this one. £3,500 a year, 4000 in Romania. Over here, they say a plumber, 26 grand. <laughs> a very conservative estimate. I would think you could double that. It must be plumbers listening, laughing. 26 grand. Would you get out of bed for 26 grand? I would think an average plumber's got to be 50 grand nowadays. So if you're only earning 8000 or £3,500 a year in Bulgaria, 4000 in Romania, you're going to want to come here to earn that sort of money. I mean, living costs are broadly similar between the two nations. However, the average salary after tax in Bulgaria, the average salary, OK, £258 a month. Over here, 1747 I mean, you, your standard of living quadruples immediately. Admittedly, everything's going to cost you more. Your weekly shopping's going to cost more. So what we're going to see, we're going to see more cheap shops. We're going to see more Poundlands. We're going to see more cheap food shops to cater for people who want to eat cheap, rubbish food. And there's always going to be a market for it. So no matter, you know, horsemeat, should imagine, makes the slightest difference if you're Bulgarian or Romanian. Why would you worry about that? A bit of horsemeat in something. We've been eating it for years. 
So, uh, see more of that. Uh, more on the houses as well. Going for sale. 70,000 quid. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I, th- I thought they were worth maybe uh, thirty to 50,000 pounds. 70,000. And they're going to go for a pound each. A pound each. It's just fantastic, isn't it? Oh, if only I'd thought that. I can't remember what I paid for my first place. I think it was £24,000. was a long time ago. But £24,000 for my first place. And then you look at the price of um, property in London. That's why people rent. Because it's so expensive. People just can't, can't you know, get themselves and their head round the fact that you can rent for £1,000 a month. You know, an average flat round my way, I don't know what it's like in the rest of London, is about a quarter of a million for a flat. It's, it's just ridiculous. Here is the, the model in all the papers today. Expect to see a lot more of her because she's quite clearly got an agent. Her name is Cara, I think it's called Delavine. <clears throat> and they say here she's proving she's a contender. She's been out and done a few shows and then she went out and got drunk. I said they've got lots of pictures of her. And this is how it starts. The publicity will build up. You saw it with all the so-called supermodels. And they say she's been hailed as the next big thing on the catwalk. And so she's proving it. She's a drunk. And she's fallen over, and they've got pictures. She says, um, I don't like Cara the model. I'm just Cara. And for some people, these people like to hire me as a model. She said, I don't know if I'm coping. I think I am. I said, they've got a picture of her looking, looking drunk, which must be a great picture for the family album. And she's very close to uh, superstar Rihanna. She stayed friends with Mr Styles, And she went out to the Café Royal... And she's the face of Burberry's beauty campaign. But she doesn't need much beauty sleep because she's young. She's only 20. She'd been burning the candle both ends. She'd done five catwalk appearances and attended a string of bashes during London Fashion Week. But that's that's how that all starts, isn't it? And then you'll read the pictures of her tomorrow with Harry Styles in the papers. There's already some today. And, um, and there will be other pictures. And then we'll be talking about her in the same way we're talking about the girl from the fish shop, Agnes Dane who you remember was everywhere. Agnes Dane on a bicycle, Agnes Dane walking down the street, Agnes Dane, not her real name, of course, because she worked in a chip shop, and Agnes Dane here, and, and then all of a sudden, we don't talk about Agnes Dane anymore. Everybody gets their little bit of publicity. One minute we talk about the only way is Essex, and the next minute the whole country goes, but they're so naff. And so you leave them. It's a bit like sort of Katie Price. One minute she's fashionable, the next minute she's so out of touch, looking old and haggard. The next pictures you see of her will be at the staged wedding, where she sold it uh, for money to a magazine, because magazines pay for this this kind of trash nowadays, and for some reason you want to look at it. So that's great. Uh, the BBC have apologised for following a news report about Oscar uh, Pistorius with a song about a man shooting his girlfriend. I mean, incredibly crass judgement, isn't it? That uh, uh, the host had to apologise on air. Uh, in light of the nature of the news story, we apologise for any offence caused... That's stupid, honestly. That's the trouble when you employ amateurs, isn't it? People who've got no idea about things like that. I can remember there was a radio presenter years ago fired through playing uh, Nicky Thomas's If I Had a Hammer, which was a, a, reg- a very big reggae single, after a report on the Yorkshire Ripper. And you think, you know, crass insensitivity and, you know, rank stupidity. Um, a coffee-powered car. A coffee-powered car? I like this idea. Is it cheaper than petrol? Has given its owner grounds to celebrate. It broke the world speed record. The British-made Bean Machine apparently hit 65.5 miles an hour the other day. It's a Ford pickup. It's driven on pellets produced from waste in coffee and production. I like that idea. I like that idea. I wonder what the, what are the exhaust smells like. 
I suppose roasted coffee beans every morning can't be bad, can it? And one of the world's greatest collections of Italian's Baroque paintings has been gifted to Britain. It's 57 masterpieces worth 100 million, belonging to Sir Dennis Marne, who died last year aged 100. He was heir to the Guinness Marne banking fortune and fought for pre free public access to art. So he's gifted 57 masterpieces. What a lovely thing to do. And then, of course, there's the, the Diamond Gang, who hit Belgium. But mind you, I mean, Belgian police. Have you ever met Belgian police? They're slow in the extreme. And so they, they, they cut through a perimeter fence. They had blue flashing lights on their two vehicles. They drove up to the aircraft. They jumped out. They were wearing what can loosely be described as police uniforms. They had machine guns. They got the diamonds. They were gone in five minutes. They reversed back out again and shot straight through the fence that they'd arrived at only three minutes previously. Then you heard on the news that there's another diamond heist, this one in Paris. They picked up in Brussels £50 million worth of diamonds. I mean, that would be an inside job, wouldn't it? Somebody would have tipped them off to say these diamonds... I mean, I didn't hear about these diamonds being on a plane, but somebody must have heard about them. So they've got £50 million, and they were asking on the news this morning, would somebody be able to fence £50 million worth of diamonds? And they said, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the reason... Uh, why Dame Westwood spoke ill of our lovely Kate is because Kate is a beautiful princess and won't stoop to wearing Vivian's frocks. Kate wore Stella McCartney dresses, plus Stella suited out the Olympics. Maybe that's why Westwood got upset. Silly, silly people. I wear Primark and you're right. M&S have lost the plot, says Dave. Yes. It, I mean, I, I don't understand fashion. I could sit here. There are pictures of fashion people in one of the papers. The Mail. And they've said, you look at these ludicrous outfits. And, and they've said, and even the models look miserable. But they'll, they'll, they'll wear anything. Put that on, love. Oh, right, OK. They never, they never question it, models, because they're too, they're too tired from the night before. So that's why... That's why uh, all these people are in the paper. Most models look as miserable as um, a sin. They really do. They, they're absolutely dreadful. The chicken shop was too funny. From your local school kids to a guy trying to sell drugs to seeing men in drag. Oh, and the rapper. Ah, ah. Um, I watched the chicken shop, Steve. Funny, but waste of time as usual with this kind of show. The Brits are cutting it a bit fine, says Kevin. Getting our invite to play to us. Everybody knows you can't beat a bit of in-your-face, loud-and-fast punk rock on the Brits. Oi, organisers, we are waiting. Barbara says, is <laughs> add you and me together. Uh, Barbara said, Anne Whittacombe's quiz programme, is it still on? I tried to watch it again, but it was awful. I didn't think it would last. I'm still trying to work out why she's been dropped from pantomime. I think that the, uh, the bubbles burst for Anne Whittacombe, in the sense of, you know, it was funny first time. She was the funny little fat woman who couldn't dance and sort of played up to it. Whereas, in fact, really, when you meet her in real life, she's actually tough as old boots. You know, the personality bit is sort of put on there, but she'll turn up for the opening of a fridge door. And he's obviously found somebody else. I'm curious to find out who Craig Revel Horwood has replaced her with. It would have to be somebody who could fit into the same shoes. I'm not, not talking about the same size or anything like that, but somebody who'd be, who they'd be looking at who would be an object of fun. And I can't think of anybody who's fun who would be like that, unless he's been trawling the ice shows, unless he's sort of come up with somebody. I can't think of anybody who is particularly bad. You're looking for somebody old and semi-funny that the audience can laugh at, not with. And I don't know... Wait a minute, I just thought of it. I mean, how silly of me. Somebody who is stupid, you know, a little bit little bit over-show-busy, a little bit giggly, a little bit irritated. It's Anthea Turner. They put Anthea Turner in, in the pantomime. I was offered pantomime a few years ago. 
But uh, I turned it down. I said, I'm a radio presenter. We don't do pantomime. You know, people who are desperate do pantomime, and it's not for me. Because we spoke to somebody... I, did, I spoke to Toya. 73 shows she did for Panto. Sorry for keeping you up. 73 shows she did uh, this year in Panto. Struggle through the Anyway, so we'll, we'll take a short break for the news on LBC 97.3. Then we're talking about... Um, Catherine Jenkins, and uh, oh, we've got a little story about Kikirki Katie Price. Yes, it's it's so dreary in the extreme, it'll last about five seconds. And Kerry Katona's friends, who say her voice has improved no end. Really? Unfortunately, the rest of her you can't change, is it? You know, she needs a complete body transplant. But she can't sing, as we all know, she never could sing, never is able to sing. Because as the girls told us on that uh, ITV2 programme, they used to turn her microphone off. Best thing. 50 tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Welcome to Wednesday. Uh, stories in the papers today. It's uh, the benefits mum of 11 taking us all for a ride. We pay for a horse as well as the, the £400,000 house. You'll probably find she pays for the horse out of the benefits money that she gets given to us. But that's the system in this country. To be honest with you, I would axe it immediately. And uh, you can call Clegg today. He's in today, not tomorrow, Thursday. He's in today. There's obviously some route. Perhaps he's got uh, something else to do tomorrow. So perhaps you can ask him about things like that. Ask him about the Romanians and the Bulgarians coming here. Ask him about the benefits that we send abroad. You know, it's just no other country, you know, sends benefits abroad. Only us. Only us. Uh, Katie Price, poor old Katie Price, desperate for any sort of publicity at all, really, seeing as the interest has kind of gone out of the market, says her third marriage has made us the, the happiest so far. It's totally different this time around, she says. She hadn't been married about three weeks. So uh, let's just wait for the fallout on that one, which will be definitely, definitely around the corner. Uh, we had to laugh and we didn't take it seriously. Kerry Katona's friends... I'm not really sure who her friends are, have said that her voice has improved no end since giving up smoking ahead of the Atomic Kitten reunion tour. She says, I want to be the best I can be vocally. Well, he never sang on anything else, so I don't know why you're even worrying about this one. And uh, Kimberly Walsh thinks it shows that her album was recorded after a warm-up in Shrek the Musical. She was lovely. We like Kimberly Walsh a lot. She was very, very nice when she came in to see us the other week on the show. And only in Vienna... Can they have an art exhibition at the Leopold Museum, which is dealing with um, nude men from 1800? And so they invited male naturists in to have a look. So they were able to wander around the Leopold Museum, um, start naked. But there again, they've always been a bit like that in Vienna. Just outside of Vienna, they have, as you know, the Blue Danube. And because for parts of it, it is blue. The rest of it's kind of a muddy grey. And there is an area which is reserved for nudists. You can, you can, you know, um, sit and sunbathe by the side of the Blue Danube, just out. You, you, you go out to the, uh, the fun fair, the Prater. You rent a bicycle and you cycle out. And there's nude people, people riding bicycles naked. Don't ask me how that one works. And you can cycle up and down and you can see other naked people. It's, it's a bit of a voyeuristic thing, I think. Just a little bit of a voyeuristic thing. Uh, there's two babies in the papers today. They're heavyweights, Hannah and Thomas Chiad. When they... <laughs> together, they weigh one stone, four pounds. Women everywhere going, what? One stone, four pounds. One of Britain's heaviest set of twins. They were born last month. They were hefty. I think they were about eight pounds each or something. Eight pounds something. I mean, it's, it's a hell of a lot, isn't it? Absolutely. Kim Kardashian has admitted that she would love to have sex with herself. 
She's quite clearly in love with herself. She uh, revealed how much she fancies herself uh, to her younger sister, Chloe, on the sibling show Courtney and Kim Take Miami. The pregnant 32-year-old said, if I was a man, I would want to know what it's like to have sex with myself. I would just like to know what it would feel like. As delusional an old bag as you're hard, you know, you're going to find anywhere, ladies and gentlemen, on any reality show, I'm afraid. <laughs> and there it is. Um, Rita Ora apparently could be the latest pop star to close in on WAG status after she bagged David Beckham's best friend called Dave Gardner. I've never heard of Dave Gardner, I'm afraid, at all. Although, who is it who described... Uh, as a, oh, James O'Brien described, I think, Catherine as a WAG you know, wife or, or, or girlfriend of, of somebody famous, generally speaking, footballer. So in this case, it's not a footballer. It's it's somebody else that she's fallen in love with, somebody very rich, even though she's got great qualifications. There's a spooky guard who claims he's caught the image of a CCTV ghost. The transparent figure was seen leaving South Ryslip Community Centre. The site used to be a World War II prison camp, so it's said that the ghost is a soldier trying to escape the video has racked up 100,000 hits, 100, hits on YouTube. No, it just means he's taken two pictures and the uh, one... But he's, he's forgotten to move the film on. So that's why he's taken a picture of a person because this is not a person wearing shoes from a World War II prison camp, let me tell you. And there's no such thing as ghosts, so let's not, let's not worry about things like that, shall we? Uh, 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. After just choking on my coffee... Following your mention of the Tesco spokeswoman who says they're always looking for ways to improve their customer experience, says Paul, I have a few. A smoking shelter for the staff who are puffing away two foot from the branch entrance. Some staff who may actually acknowledge you before they turn away and carry on with the conversation they're having with their mates. Pallets of goods delivered overnight on the floor, still there at 9am in the morning. In the morning, creating a tripping hazard for old folks. Floors being mopped without signs being placed. And finally, when you've reported a product being priced on the shelf at £4, still scanning through the till at £6 four days later, a member of the team who can be bothered to put it right. Obviously not a fan, is our Paul of Tesco. No, I think we've all got faults that we can find with supermarkets. We've all got things. You go in there and I get very annoyed. I'm always the first one to complain about Marks and Spencers because I think they've let customers down badly. The quality of their food is nowhere near what it was. It really isn't. It's, it's just... But the trouble is, that's what we do in this country. We complain. We complain about something. We go, oh, it's terrible. It's like sitting in a restaurant. Eat, 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 eat. And the waiter comes, everything all right? Fine, fine. Even though two minutes before you've been going, this is rubbish. All you do is you remember not to go back to a place. Like we went to the place in Old Harlow. I'd never go back there again, even if they changed the menu. I would not want to go back there again. It was not a good experience and it wasn't cheap. And I'm generally not the person who complains about cost. I'm very, very good. You know, if, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll pay good money for something. I don't, I don't worry about the actual cost of it. I'm not going to go stupid, quite clearly. I spoke to somebody yesterday who said that they, they went out to this restaurant. They were drinking, what were they drinking? Champagne, I think, or something. They had fillet steak with foie gras and something else. What else did they have? Was it foie gras and... Uh, so it certainly had chips, I remember, that went with it. Oh, truffle. It had truffles. And, and chips in dripping. <laughs> it's just, yeah. And then whiskey and cigars. I mean, this sounds like a hugely expensive meal. If it's good, you don't mind paying for it. If it's substandard, I, I don't. And, I, I, you know, when you go to the supermarket, and they always get, would you like a bag with that? And then I got the other day, how's your day going? Well, you know, it's, mind your own blooming business. I don't want to discuss it. We're British. 
We don't do things like that. We're not sort of put our arms around and hug a tree. I don't want to do things like that. I don't want to be your best friend. You know, it's like saying, I'm sorry, how much money have you got on you? Uh, do you have a bank account you can give me details of? Equally stupid. I mentioned earlier on that there's the lots of magic ever at the moment. And as we put the record straight about Darren Brown, he's not going to hypnotise a straight man into becoming a gay man. Although perhaps he could do it backwards. That would be quite interesting. Um, so um, then we had the card shark at the Mayfair Hotel. So let's go and see that one. My magic show is sold out, as you know. Two shows on the uh, 2nd of March. But Ian Keeble is back with a new show. And this is called The Secret World of Charles Dickens. He's uh, already been on and he's performed with Gokwan. He's been on Alan Titchmarsh's show. It's very interesting. You'll like this. You'll like this. It's in North London. So for those of you who live out that way, it's in Lauderdale House. And it's, I think, an area of London that features in, in Dickens's writing. I think most notably, I think, uh, Oliver Twist and probably David Copperfield, written out that way. This venue is a five-minute walk from Archway Tube. And if you want further details, the, the show dates, he's doing it on the 26th of February, the 26th of March, 30th of April, 28th of May, 18th of June and 30th of July. And Ian Keeble's very clever. He's very clever. He's done, he's done um, Edinburgh Festival and stuff like that. And uh, I've known him for years and years and years. Now, the tickets are 15 quid with no booking fee. And they've got, they have a website. On the website details? Here we go. Here we go. www.charlesdickensmysteryshow.co.uk So it's charlesdickensmysteryshow.co.uk you can find out all the details on there, and you can enter the secret world of Charles Dickens with uh, with magic and marvels and the mysterious. All for your further viewing pleasure, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, give that one a whirl with Ian Keeble, and it's over for you folks in North London this morning. 14 minutes past... Don't forget, it's Call Clegg today. Call Clegg today, not tomorrow. So loads of things you can talk about. Smoking, the Eastleigh by-election, and the claims that Nick Clegg is a hypocrite for considering sending his son to private school. Plus 3.8 million people have been made redundant since the recession. Nick will be asking how worried should we be for our jobs. And as it's announced, IVF will now be available for the over 40s. Nick will want to know, does age matter when you have kids? All of that and a full review of the day's newspapers, with Yasmin Alibi-Brown, the British journalist and author, regular columnist for The Independent and The Evening Standard. Don't forget, call Clegg today, though. I've just realised that one in ten television programmes are not watched on the television. We watch them on smartphones, tablets and online. And because because we, we, we've all got such busy social lives, we're such busy social butterflies now, that we don't have enough time to actually sit down and watch a television programme. And so I'm going to have to watch The, the Chicken Shop on that on that catch-up thing. I'm quite looking forward to watching it, because I like those sort of programmes. It's just, it's such a pain, it's going to be on the computer. So it's on the table. But I'm, luckily, I've got a fairly large one. So uh, I'm OK there. It'll be nice. There's nothing... You can't watch it on a little 7-inch, can you? I mean, that would be ludicrous. You've got to watch it on something at least... <clears throat> I think mine's about 20... 26 inches, I think. Something like that. Quite quite large. By sort of Twickenham standards. So, uh, so now we're, we're not watching things on the television which I think is hilarious. I must mention as well something, because we've mentioned on the programme over the years um, a female impersonator who could have been a huge star years and years ago. Sadly, he, uh, he died of consumption, and he was called Mrs Shufflewick. And he used to appear in London. He appeared at the Windmill Theatre. And uh, there are various uh, books written about Shuff over the years. And, in fact, there is a, a lovely man called Gerald Moon. 
and he's doing a tribute to Mrs Shufflewick. Now, I think it's May the 12th. I think it's May the 12th. At, uh, the, uh, now, I think, because your writing's worse than mine, at the Charles Darwin House Theatre, run by the actor Christopher Robbie. Now, I think that's what it is. He sent me in a picture, and then my friend Pammy sent me in a letter saying that uh, Gerald's got lots of scripts and memorabilia. So, uh, Gerald, you can catch out. Send me in another thing on that one. Just, just make sure I, I've, I've got the date right, Gerald, so that we can then uh, make sure that people are pointing in the right direction. There'll be lots of people listening who've often heard me talking about Mrs Shufflewick, and it was quite an act to behold, especially at the Black Cap in Camden Town, where Shuff would come on stage, Mark Fleming would be there and go, now we've got Mrs Shufflewick, and, uh, well, unfortunately, we would have, but uh, she, she's been drinking too much. She used to stand there with a Guinness, and sometimes she'd collapse on stage. It was hilarious to watch. Shouldn't laugh, really. But uh, quite a little character, Rex Jameson, was as Mrs Shufflewick, but pitched up on Looks Familiar with Der- uh, Dennis Norden and people like that. Really, really good. Lisa Riley, says Julius, replacing Anne Whittacombe. Ah! Ah! Interesting, interesting. Oh, so it had to be somebody fat, didn't it? Had to be somebody fat. So that's why it's fat and uninteresting. Aha, very good. So Lisa Riley is going to be replacing... Oh, we can hear you talk back. Ooh, I was hearing voices in my ears. It's a bit like tinnitus, only it comes with a with an accent. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, have you heard Matt Cardle's new single lately? Amazing, very raunchy video. Not at all surprised. Chris says, Steve, Romanian taxi driver, £3,000 a year. London taxi driver, £50,000 a year. That's why. That's why. Uh, and I suppose, really, you will be finding lots of, of Romanians and people people like that. Simon says, looking forward to lunch today at Miracles in Cockfosters, hosted by the lovely Sheila. Might even see some famous football players. Oh, watch her with her drinking. Oh, she'll be terrible. <laughs> um, another one here says, um, trees love you. It's nice, thank you. always like it when people say things like that. I'm slightly worried about the tree huggers. I don't really want trees to love me at all. Uh, Steve, models having a say in what they wear. Does your clothes hangers have a say in what you put on them? No, no, no. Uh, somebody says, did I hear you say you actually liked somebody? Not on this programme, you didn't. Uh, 84850, uk. We read everything out on the programme. Only wears Essex. It's one low-brow, poor, cheap show, but had a following, I guess. But really, how low can you go? A camera in a dodgy chicken shop on a Saturday night. That is El Cheapo Productions. Yes. I mean, I suppose the best thing you could have is Arge working behind the counter with Peter Andre. You know, Peter Andre, I suppose, could make it mildly entertaining. Are you all right? Is there a reason why you're standing up? Do you want to sit down? Did you put your hand up asking if you could stand up? No. Sit down again, then. It's like being in school. I was on the bus coming back yesterday. Oh, a woman with two children... In, in pram, and this boy decided it was fair. He was probably only about one or two, pushing the button to stop the bus. And so she went, no, stop it. And then he started screaming. And he screamed from Kingston all the way through to Twickenham. Frankly, I'd have thrown him out the window. He was getting on everybody's nerves. Everybody's looking round, and she's going, shh. And he's not taking a blind bit. No, he's screaming all the way. And I get another bus to go somewhere yesterday, and there's a man on the back of the bus upstairs. Because I like sitting upstairs if it's going on the roundabout bit where you go down through Petersham, so you can look in what was old Tommy Steele's house and stuff like that. And, uh, and, I was go- and again, two kids, and the father's going, and then a loud voice, Bobby, sit down. And, you, and I get this, all I'm sitting there, and of course we're all trying to ignore it, but all you hear is these kids who are going, why, why, sit down. They're so argumentative, children, nowadays. 
Good slap wouldn't have gone amiss, I'm afraid. Uh, 8 for 850, Steve at, um, uh, Anne Woodicombe is only in her 60s, says Jay. I think she's 89, isn't she, Anne Woodicombe? I don't think she's in her 60s. She's, she's, she's fairly, fairly, fairly elderly, I'm afraid. Uh, let's see if we can, uh, just squeeze in a few more of your, a few more of your, uh, emails. Just before we finish, I've just realised the time. We're whizzing through here, aren't we, I'm afraid. We've got no, uh, no time. You're more than welcome to come running with me, says Winnie. We could run from Twickenham to Kingston and finish up with a well-deserved coffee and cake in Starbucks. <laughs> That's the th- Actually, the funny thing is, if you're running and exercising, you can do that. Frozen yoghurts. Oh, oh, oh. I went to uh, Richmond the other day. What have they opened? An Ugg shop. An Ugg shop. Oh, so chavvy. So chavvy. Oh, how that one got licensed, I'll never know. <laughs> they do men's shoes as well. Do you know they do men's shoes in an Ugg shop? Not for us, Will. No, not for us, love. Not for us. No, it's not. I'm sorry, I have to put my foot down on this. I am unanimous. I mean, it's, there are certain things which men cannot wear. Uh, Bronwyn, hello Bronwyn. She says, uh, I'm living in Tamworth. Get your facts correct, re-Australian backyards. Most homes have a yard large enough to include your swimming pool and plenty of space. No, dear. No, you're telling lies. You're in a home, aren't you, for the bewildered? I can tell. I can tell by the way you're writing. You're quite clearly not normal. Most Australians are quite a few shillings short of the, the complete picnic. Uh, Arthur says... The coffee-powered car. Will we see petrol stations selling different types of coffee on different pumps for latte and espresso? What a gorgeous idea. Listen, there will be a free podcast for you up on lbc.co.uk. And that will be up with you in half an hour. And by the end of the programme as well, by the end of seven o'clock, I'm finishing. Um, there will be the other podcasts of the programme as well. I've got to go now. They're pushing me. I'm sorry. sorry. Have a lovely day. I'm Steve Allen. Back tomorrow. Nick and the team and call Clegg later. Next on LBC 97.3. It's the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. 